Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Presented by AfterBuzz TV and hosted by Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman, this is X-Pac 12360. And now your host, WWE Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman. Hey everybody, welcome to X-Pac 12360. Keep missing shows. I know we've we've missed quite a few. I you think know, the last few I went weeks. years. I went like two, three years <laughs> without missing a show. That's and then true. Like in the last, I don't know how many months I've missed several. So sorry for everyone that's you know used to um, being able to rely on a show every week. So, I think yeah, we ruined a few people's commutes. <laughs> yeah, I just won't, you know. Just it was kind of. I don't like putting show. I don't like you know. Hey, let's um, have a show in the can in case. I don't like do. I like having the shows be fresh. Yeah, totally. You know, like once I make a show, I want that shit out the same day. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's out there, and then that's it. Got to do another one. Like to you know. I mean, it's just. I mean, I'm not. It's nothing wrong with that. It's actually smart to have shit in the, in the can to use mm. for weeks like that or like last uh but yeah anyways just me babbling how you guys doing good Good, i think we're glad to be back yeah Uh, right yeah i was just in the bahamas for a wedding and uh, it was nice it was nice and just laid around on the beach the whole time awesome uh, you know, people, when they go on these type of vacations, it's like, oh, we got to go on this excursion. Get up, hurry. We got to be here. Like, fuck that. Right. Like, I go there to relax, not, you know, be fucking, like, worried about being on somebody else's schedule for something. So Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I just, I mean, not, and again, like, nothing wrong with it. People want to do that. I'm just, that's not me. I don't You're not do up that. for the activities? Fuck no. <laughs> Who was no. getting married? Uh, my girlfriend's uh, a friend of hers. Oh, cool. Um, that uh, she knows from uh, sh- she works with this group called the Unusual Suspects. Did I ever tell you about that? No, uh, I I haven't heard about it. It's like uh, they help uh, they put on uh, like productions, like plays, mm-hmm. and they go into uh, like underserved communities and like even into like juvenile detention halls and mm-hmm. and work with kids, you know, and 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 they. At the end of it, there's a, a big play, and like everyone comes, and, and it's great. Oh, know? wow, that's yeah. awesome! Nice. Yeah, and it's really cool to see the the um, see these parents, you know, all these parents so proud of their kids, and how you know, even the kids, you know, just to see them get up there and overcome like a lot of things like shyness or. Just shit like that. Yeah, you know? of course. I just, think you mentioned on one of our past shows probably, that you worked, yeah. you did something yeah. with them along yeah. the lines of that as well. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, she knows it from there. Uh, I'm not real big on destination wedding, but like it was so nice and relaxing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, what else? Fuck. I don't know. Yeah, but I watched SmackDown while I was there because, you know, my NXT people were, Of course. Were there. I was real proud of everybody. Yeah, that was happy a, for everyone. Yeah, I stepped up, stepped up to the plate and, you know, uh, swing and, and everyone got on base. Yeah. Everyone, you know, kind of knocked out of the park a little bit, actually, if I want to be honest about things. And, uh, and then the people were into it. And then, so I was watching a little bit last night. Cause, so I have Hulu mm-hmm. plus live TV now okay. instead of Sling. But here's the problem with that. Um, I just, Sling, man, it was just one problem after another with them. Mm. Uh, but the problem with Hulu is, is the, the feed is, is the East Coast. Like, it's, I don't get, I can't watch it live. I can't oh, right. watch Raw live. I have to you watch it. You still get this time zone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at Twitter and seeing the, everything I missed. That's always know. the worst. I hate not watching something live. Like, I'm in that right. zone now where yeah. before this was so used to, I, obviously, I would always watch, you know, m- the West Coast feed. But now I feel mm-hmm. like I have FOMO when I'm seeing everything yeah. happen on Twitter. And, you know, you can't be part of that. Yeah. So, uh, and I read a couple of people's comments on Twitter. Oh, this isn't getting over like it did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's... that's For Yeah, it's like it's just not, you know. And then I actually went and I watched a bit of it uh, once it finally came on here in our market. Right. Um, and I was like, yeah, the crowd is fucking dead. It's almost mm-hmm. like a fucking Nassau Coliseum crowd. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up to see where they were. Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> No, the crowd was dead pretty they much the entire show. They always fucking dead mm-hmm. in the Nassau Coliseum. Trust me, for years. Uh, all the venues in the New York City market, the Meadowlands, just fine. The Garden can be hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, they, they're with it, man, and they bring it. The fucking Nassau Coliseum. I don't know what the fuck is up with that crowd forever, man. I don't know if they're too cool for school. They don't want to, you know, you know, react to things. I just don't know. But it's always been like that, mm-hmm. always. And uh, and I mean, obviously, you know, it, the you know the reactions picked up a bit when you know there are people that everyone's really used to seeing the real big right. stars. But like, you know, um, for instance, what was it? Who's the guy, the Mexican guy, real good-looking kid? Humberto Carrillo? Yeah, who was he working with? His Street Profits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and the Profits against AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, like, the crowd not being into it, that, like, affected my viewing pleasure. Right, right. You know? That's how I felt for the Cedric Alexander Buddy Murphy match. That was when I really noticed it. But the thing that I, the reason why I thought that the crowd was not really all there for that was because I felt that they were expecting a show more similar uh, to SmackDown, and it was different with Raw today. You know, they had you know some moments with NXT, but yeah. I think they were expecting more of the takeover, yeah. like they had with SmackDown. So I thought maybe that was part of the reason. I mean, but that could I be part really of it know. too. Yeah, that could be part of it too. But on top of that, it had to be a 
Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, right, right, right. There was right. a few pops, obviously, when Triple H came out and they had the NXT chants. But other than that, there was nothing else that was really sold. Like even the Brock Lesnar stuff, I thought was really good at the mm-hmm. top of the show, but it wasn't as well received um, in terms of like there was some really good. There were some crazy one liners that Paul Heyman had mm-hmm. on the show. You know, with with the King, and then when he called the uh, the roster the B word and all of that. So there was some moments there that you would expect some larger pops that maybe weren't. Uh, received. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I I don't know, I think there's there's a million different reasons, but part of it I think is as far as the NXT stuff, I think to a certain degree like that's already it's it's already kind of, you know, now that we've seen it on SmackDown, I think some of that freshness may have may have been lost a little bit. Now people might have been expecting it whereas on Friday well, no it one Well, wasn't a surprise. Yeah, exactly. No. Like on Friday no one really kind of knew no. what to expect, but but yeah. How did you feel about the ending to SmackDown? When when Triple H basically sort of used the oh yeah the the y- promo the right you know, right hey call your friend call your blood yes oh, yeah. yes yeah I mean obviously you know that kind of stuff is uh it's kind of neat you know and the people all knew exactly what that was and mm-hmm. so uh, yeah you know I mean obviously. Yeah. I thought Fuck. it was nice because <laughs> I, I just say. saw it as like yeah. an evolution, you know, sure. where you go back and you think about it. And we had just talked about it recently yeah. on the show. So you sort of just see that evolution from, you know, that moment to, you know, now where he's leading, you know, NXT. Right. And it really feels like, you know, this is one of the things that I like. that kind of a moment for right, him. Exactly. Right, exactly. So that's exactly. why he said that, because it was it was it meant like it meant that to him. And so, like, that's what was that was the coolest part about that like is, you know, he connected it to to that and so yeah you know fucking <laughs> what am I supposed to say you know <laughs> well I just figured he'd be watching me like yeah you know like yeah. it's a nice moment yeah but I don't like to be that guy oh see that part right there that's that's about me or that's, you know just yeah well a lot of people were doing it for you online I think yeah mm-hmm. so all right yeah, what are we doing today? All right, well, today we're sewing, if sewing, so we're going back and we're talking about your time. Uh, we're talking about your time both in UWF and the best of the Super Juniors. And, and so uh, we got to clarify because there was a couple UWFs at the time. UWFI, which was the shoot no, no, style no. promotion. Or, there was, UWFI hadn't, hadn't come into existence yet. It was, well, actually, they might have. Oh, fuck. Actually, they did. But it was... UWF was the original, uh, like, Tiger Mask group that when Tiger Mask left New Japan, you know the history of that at all? Roughly. Okay. And uh, so there, and, and so this guy, his name is Hisashi Shinma. He was in, in this past year's Hall of Fame. He mm-hmm. was inducted into the Legacy you know all those inductions they throw in. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, right? So he was he was inducted into that, and he's a big part of of New Japan over the years, and a, kind of a business partner type with Anoki. With but he broke up, and he started this UWF with uh, with with Tiger Mask with with Sayama, and you know they brought a more realistic style, and Carl Gotch was there and teaching, you know. Teaching all those guys, and um, you know everybody that came and, and wrestled there was supposed to have you know a legit background of some kind. Um, 
And, but although some guys did go, like I think even Dutch Mantel, like I'm really getting off into the weeds here. <laughs> but um, anyways, I won't go into that. Uh, anyways, so it it had, a, it had a pretty good amount of popularity, but it still died off. And, um, and then later again, um, you know, the UWF reformed with Akira Maeda. Do you know about him? Right. And then he started yes. ri- rings later on. But Akira Maeda is a guy that uh, he was a frustrated New Japan heavyweight. And um, and a lot of guys felt like they were being held back by, you know, the Anokis and the Choshus and guys like that. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much that had to do with him doing this, but Maeda, like, he blindsided Choshu with a kick when Choshu had, like, the scorpion on somebody and, like, crushed his orbital bone and shit like that. Anyways... And then left, and they restarted UWF. God, why am I telling this part of the story? Um, so there's that UWF. All that to say there's that UWF that was submission style. And then, um, so Shinma, the, the, the old man I was telling you about, no disrespect, but he's an older gentleman, um, this UWF I'm talking about was actually uh, more commonly known as Universal Pro. Right. That's what I was, when I was listening yeah. to you and Fumi talk about it, I, I was a little confused on that yeah, yeah. as to why you guys were referring to it as Universal Pro. So there, the UWF name was used, I'm assuming, because it was still the Shinmas. It was um, the son of Hisashi Shinma. His name is Hisatsune. And he was just like, Really big tie, like nice guy, but such a mark and huge mark for Lucha, huge mark. So that's where all this came from. Uh, Hamada was the original main Japanese star, El Gran Hamada. Well, because it was also referred to as uh, a Grand Modest UWF, correct? Yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, that's and uh, and it's it's where uh, Ultimo Dragon gained his his initial popularity as just without the mask as Yoshihiro Asai. Right. I was going to say that there was, you know, essentially one of the, really the first Lucha-style promotions in Japan that featured uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., Silver King, El Tejano, uh, Los Villanos, and then they had the Ubican coming talent like Ultimo Dragon, uh, Gato, Takamichinuko, and so on. So it was pretty interesting to see, like, you know, all these people that would eventually, you know... Yeah, so, like, the... Like, their younger Japanese talent that they eventually, you know, uh, well, they entered left in Michinoku Pro and this, that, and the other company. But, um, you know, so the the young Japanese guys were, like you were saying, as Gato and Jado. They were mm-hmm. called, uh, what the hell were they? Bulldog KT. Anyways, they had these weird names and these mullet mohawks. And, you know, they were big Huge, like, American wrestling fan. Like, Gato is a big-time American wrestling fan. But anyways, so those guys, uh, um, uh Noku, who is a uh, great Sasuke mm-hmm. without the mask. Um, and bless his heart, like, if you ever seen him without the mask, you'll know why he wears one now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if to laugh or not. 
Who knows? <laughs> That's sad. I don't think he looks in the mirror and goes, damn, you're a handsome looking motherfucker. That's a terrible sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, you can say. Also, sorry. Oh, no, it's all right. No, no, it's fine. Um, uh, Monkey Magic Wakita, who later became Super Delphin. Um, uh, and he wasn't wrestling yet when I was there, but he was a young boy, and it was uh, Shinzaki who was a Hakushi, mm-hmm. and uh, and even some other, you know, Men's Teo. Uh, fuck, I don't know, a lot of guys. Right, right. You know, oh yeah, Dick Togo, my first match ever. Anyways, oh, sure. keep going. So, you know, basically with this promotion, this helped lead, you know, open the doors for, you know, what would become later on, like Dragon Gate, for example. Tori Uman. as well. So it, it, it's very interesting to sort of see how, you know, basically you had all of these guys under this one roof and then, yeah. you know, everybody made a name for themselves, whether it be in Japan, Mexico, or the U.S. But let's, I know we sort of talked about this, you know, in past shows, but just for the sakes of this show, how you got brought onto this and, you know, your first tour, because um, how, how many tours did you do in general? Oh, my God. Quite a few, actually. Okay. It seemed like about once a month I was going over there. Okay, and you were you were ru- you were you know you were you were the first one. I think you were nineteen, correct? Yeah. You were still with GWF for the yeah, first one. Yeah, I was still the GWF light heavyweight champion. So yeah, let's kind of talk about how that first all came together, and then go, kind of go from there. Uh, so I was doing GWF, right? Yeah. And, um, anyways. There's a gentleman, and he's in one of the pictures that we're going to show. Um, uh, actually, no, he's not in that one. But there's a guy, and he was a re- he was a referee in the Minnesota area, and also a photographer. He took pictures for like Japanese magazines and stuff. And he's also the cousin of Gary Juster, who's a famous NWA promoter, like local prom- like promote. He was the guy that promoted the towns. Okay, we showed WCW. That was the picture we showed a few weeks ago, right? With you and Jerry Lynn? Yeah. The guy that was in that picture? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. so I've already talked about mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, Bruce Craigman. And anyway, so, um, Wally Yamaguchi was coming through town. And he had his wife. His wife wrestled a little bit. and um, Anyways. He came to town, and uh, right at that time, I was still the GWF I was still the champion. I still had the belt and everything. But they had called and told me they couldn't pay me anymore. I had a guaranteed contract for $300 a week, uh, which was my pay. That, that was my nightly pay. So I was at least getting one one night's pay every week. Uh, so they told me they couldn't pay me anymore. And, and like, even though it's like $300, bucks, like, that still helped pay the bills. So mm-hmm. I needed to fucking pay the bills. Um, somehow, I can't remember exactly how it all came together, but... Wally happened to be in town and was like, "Hey, you want to come to Japan?" Like real last minute, and I wasn't, I wasn't advertised or anything for for this tour. I was just like, "Come and have this one match uh, in Cork and Hall." And uh, shit, my head itches. Uh, anyways, so um, yeah, I went, and it was a thousand dollars. Whether it was like one show or for the week, I got a thousand dollars. And um, when you're over there for a week, a thousand dollars, like, um, I know people go like a thousand dollars. It's not, you know, I mean, and at the time it was obviously a lot more than a thousand dollars is now. But, sure, um, we get like a hundred dollars 
the beginning, and that was what we had to spend for the, for the like your per diem. Yeah, I'm trying to make that last for a week is just almost <laughs> it's almost impossible. Right. But um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I went over there and. Yeah, I didn't real like I did high flying stuff. Obviously, you've seen some of the matches I had back then, and but I wasn't a lucha guy, you know. Um, actually, more like the Japanese and even a bit of submission stuff. I I, I was still doing. Um, but anyways, they put me in a match with. He was called um, Gentetsu Sakigake at the time, but it's people know him now as Dick Togo. And I, I actually let him up. Like, uh, I was pretty stiff in there. I was really kind of nervous. I was so nervous I had a wedding band on him and take off. Um, not that that's a big deal, but, you know, because a lot of people just do that anyways. But, um, wow, that's, oh, that's, that's Gato, actually, right there in that picture. No, that, it's. Is that? I think that's, Dick, that's Dick Togo now. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, wow. <laughs> Shit. Uh, so yeah, he gave me a great match, and and I did like all this stuff. I flew outside the ring a couple different times, and he caught me great. Like, um, then I gave him a tombstone pile driver through a table. Oh, shit. Back when no one did that right, kind of exactly. stuff, and it was this little. I don't know if you ever watch uh, wrestling from Japan. They have these little, th- really narrow tables, and like it was all. I can't believe I ended up pulling it off. Um, but yeah, I gave him that. You know, put him through the table, got back in one by count out, which usually is a sh- shitty count out, but they dug it. Just yeah, after a tombstone through a table, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. So uh, they they had me stay, and um, and then I worked with them every night what was, on the rest of the tour. How did you feel, you know, coming in as a, a young kid, you know, to Japan and not really knowing what to expect? What was that all like? Did you experience any sort of culture shock oh, or yeah. anything like that? Oh, my God. Because I did want to mention some of the things that you did talk about with Fumi was that you talked about sleeping on the floor, the long yeah. bus rides. And yeah. you want to kind of dive into that? Yeah. Yeah. It was tough because, I mean, the show, the it was a small company. And, you know, it was respected. You know, people respected it because it had a lot of great, great talent. You know, uh, because I mean, you know, Dos Caras was there, you know, Santo, Blue Demon Jr. I mean, legends, some like the guys you're naming. Um, actually, team heavy metal over there, uh, you know, Eric Casa, son, uh, brother of uh, Negro Casas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, but yeah, it was tough, you know, like I was saying, you know, that was the pay I got and, and, um, and we would stay in, if we had a hotel, it was, you know, it was budget, you know, it was not the nicest hotels. They weren't dirty or anything, but really tiny rooms. And, uh, like the one place we stayed at, like it was near the new Japan hotel in Shinjuku. Uh, we stayed, it was called the B and B hotel, which stood for bed and breakfast or business and breakfast something like that but um yeah but when we would travel outside of tokyo and it was all bus rides even when we went to hokkaido which is an island you know where sapporo was uh we drove the bus to sendai and then the bus got on a a fucking like a, a ferry yeah a ferry oh wow yeah 
And so, like, we went through a hurt, like a typhoon in that, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. How yeah. was, what was that like? It was like? crazy. The fucking boat's up and down. And there, so there's this, like, bath area in the, in the ferry, and there's, like, a hot tubs and stuff like that, and the fucking water was spilling all out everywhere. But they let you guys continue going yeah. through that, like, even though, like, yeah. they knew, like, this was going to happen, yeah. you know, weather-wise? So, um, yeah, it was crazy. That w- I'm skipping around, but that that ferry ride was actually where where the guys had enough and decided to quit and start uh, Michinoku Pro because they like it just wasn't some worth sh- it. Yeah, the money and like you know they were getting kind of fucked. And but you said that the Mexican guys were making way less. Way less. It's and insane. You, was was it like a dramatic difference or? Yeah, yeah, uh, or. or or some of them, like, we're getting similar to me that should, like, we're legends. Like, fucking Dose Car guys. Like, I mean, I'm sure Dose got a little bit more, but, you know, there's probably guys that are getting 500 a week right. and trying to make ends meet. And in those but they were selling, they brought gimmicks to sell, merch to sell. So that helped. Yeah. Yeah. We brought, I brought, like, uh, imitation Zubas, like this lady, and she also made my gear. But she made she made fake Zubas. Like Zubas came from Minneapolis, so there was other people popped up, in, you know, mm. Minnesota that made these cheap knockoff Zubas. Zubas were really popular in in Japan. They were like a hundred bucks a fucking pair for them. So I brought these cheap Zubas, and you know, I sold them every night, and I, I made a few extra bucks, and it helped. Um, Boy, that was a fascinating part of the story. Huh? <laughs> well, I've noticed that you always kind of find ways to make a little extra. Like when you yeah. mentioned you were selling Jerry Lynn's hair, yeah. and now you have this. So it's pretty interesting to see how mm-hmm. you can like make yeah. ends meet. Okay, so what I was get, what I was getting to was like sometimes when we were going outside uh, Tokyo, for instance, when we would go to down south to this uh, city called Fukuoka in Hakata, which there's this famous venue, it's called Hakata Star Lanes, and then we would go run that place. And the crowd was great there. Uh, loved wrestling there. But when we would go there, it was like a 12-hour bus ride, we'd get there, and we would stay at this place called a Kenko Land. And it was like a, similar to a, I don't know if you've ever heard of a capsule hotel. A capsule hotel, do you know what that is? No. A capsule hotel is like dog kennels. Like, you know, there's some on top of each other. And like you a can, hostel? It's like a, no, it's not even that. It's like a old fucking, you get your own dog kennel. It's big enough for you to fit in and lay down in, and it might have a little TV in there. And, oh, we have okay. a photo up here if you guys want to take yeah, a look. See, oh, there it okay, is. that doesn't look too bad as it's I pictured not, it. It's not, actually. Yeah. It's not, but it's, you know, people kind of want their own rooms like when they're on the road. But, fuck, we were just so happy to get there after 12 hours on an uncomfortable bus. Yeah. So and they have like food there and you can get massage and uh but that's that's the capsule hotel the Kenko land everyone sleeps in a fucking big room on the floor on mats. Oh wow. So you can hear everyone snoring and you know <laughs> what the fuck, right? So but we just I was just happy to to get there, you know, be able to lay down somewhere and get in a hot bath and oh, it felt so nice to get in a hot bath and so what oh, would you fuck. say was the biggest challenges? Was it kind of getting used to being to like traveling like that and you know going through these long yeah. bus rides and then just not really having too much of your personal space? Or what other challenges did you face? That and just you know, 
some of the guys spoke English, but not everyone. And I was the only American guy. I was the only, you know. So it was the communication was, a, was kind of a little bit of an issue. Not too bad. Because um, Jerry Lynn was also there yeah, for a couple of tours, too. Time. So Okay, he, so he wasn't he, there for your first one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that and then he came over there and we teamed over there. We had um, really good matches with uh, Gato and Pat Tanaka, which a lot of people, don't, you know, probably never heard of those matches. But um, yeah, really good matches with them. Uh, good matches with Gato and Jado. Uh, Jerry and I like. So it was like, who is it fucking me? Oh, actually, that's the photo that we had up, actually, with yeah. you and Jerry Lynn uh, versus Gato and Jado for yeah. the Intercontinental Tag Team Championships. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's that picture we had. Well. And uh, <laughs> um, we also worked with, oh, fuck. What was like, oh, so we do six mans a lot. Obviously, you know, the Lucha a lot of six mans, and it would be like Jerry Lynn, myself, and Dr. Wagner versus... Uh, versus Tejano, Silver King, and Dos Caras. Yeah, I actually got to see yeah. that one. Um, Did that you was... see when fucking Silver King busted my eardrum right in the beginning? He fucking smacked me in there. Oh. My eardrum still fucked up from that. Really? Jeez. Yeah, because yeah, I was able to see that. One of the things that I noticed for that one was you did a lot of mat wrestling for that yeah. match. So it was you know very different from what we were seeing you do in GWF around the mm-hmm. same, roughly the same time. So when you have communication issues, that's what you do. That's why you have to know how to wrestle, too. Mm. You know, that's why you have to know how to do, you know, that kind of stuff. So you can go out there and even if you can't talk to someone, you can go out there and have a little bit of a match with them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, you can never go wrong with a little bit of wrestling in there. And then you mentioned that, okay, Jerry Lynn was coming on with you during the second tour. Was it, did it make a world of a difference for you to have somebody that you're more familiar with and, you know, is sort of, you know, along the same lines with you? Uh, you yeah, bar- language barriers and all of that. Yeah, it helped because obviously we were, we were extremely close and, uh, and that, so yeah, it did, it helped a lot. And had yeah. you wrestled any of those guys prior in Never. any other places? Like, this was no. all first times. Who were some of the people you were immediately take like impressed by? Anybody that you were kind of like, oh, this guy is going to be, like, something? Uh, you kind of knew that about, like, a lot of those guys. I mean, you saw... They kind of had reputations already. Yeah. Like, Sasuke started doing that gimmick, you know, eventually. And so you could kind of tell, okay, you know... Um, Gonna be a big star, like uh, um, Delphin. Yeah, because like, those guys started doing those gimmicks after I had gotten there. Mm-hmm. They went from, you know, Monkey Magic Wakita to Super Delphin. Um, uh, you know, I knew um, I knew Heavy Metal was gonna be a big star because just he had this thing about him, like this weird aura this vibe like he was very very enigmatic mm. you know like they talk about Jeff Hardy like that like he had that similar type of a thing I see now, you mentioned on our last show that when you were doing, you were studying tapes, you know, from Japan as well, but that some of the guys did give you sort of like feedback and things that you were doing wrong or maybe not doing the way it was supposed to be. Did you get any of that while you were in Japan? How did that all work out? I mean, a little bit, but still, like, I, ca- I still kept doing the, the 
the spinning backbreaker wrong like when I would take it like I wouldn't fucking feed for it right and mm. so it would make it would make my opponent look stupid you know so but you know um, but yeah no I learned some things I learned how to do like a head spring and you know just different like some of the Mexican routines like you know just the stuff that those those guys do on a routine basis and, and just I don't know it was just cool Just it was a great experience being able to uh train because they all trained before the shows so what's the ring got out everyone was in, not every single person but most everyone was in the ring warming up and doing a little bit of training and so was there yeah any big it was cool to learn that from you those noticed guys. that any big differences in terms of how they prepared for how they were preparing for their matches versus what you were used to seeing in the states and then also with the crowds was what were there any major differences i think the major difference is that they were actually doing that at all yeah because guys in the states weren't really doing nope. that before shows no nope, mm-hmm. not at all so yeah, it was just I mean they were it was taken way more serious. You know. Um you know, like here in the States, a lot of it is you're on shows with guys that just do it on the weekends and they're not like, you know, full time like this was a bunch of fucking real pro wrestlers. And you know, guys that have been you know, like I said, they're legends. Mm. You know. And you did several tours. Were you ever kind of like hesitant, like, oh, maybe I don't want to go back because of it's so different? Or were you always like, yes, I'm ready oh, for I it? Oh, I couldn't wait to go back. Yeah, I couldn't wait to go back. Yeah. I was just, just loved it. That's awesome. You know, it was tough. And so, uh, you know, once Fumi came around and started, I started spending time with Fumi when I was over there. Like, it changed everything. Like, it made, you know... Uh, Made everything just um, so much. I just felt so much more comfortable over there. Was it more because you had maybe someone giving you guidance? Yeah, you know, a, d- developing yeah. a closer closer relationship yeah. with and somebody. Just, he, knew, he knew Japanese wrestling better than anybody. You know, because he was like one of the top guys at Baseball Magazine. Um, so yeah. Well, you guys talked about your bonds together on the podcast and, you know, spending holidays together and stuff like that. So, yeah. obviously, it was a relationship that was formed earlier on and, you know, yeah. lasted. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, going back, talking about um, Asai, um, my, you know, my first show there was his last. So, it wasn't like I was on a bunch of shows with Ultimo Dragon. Mm. Mm-hmm. He was, the, he was finishing up that night and going to SWS. Okay. Actually, Great Kabuki was there with him, actually. Oh. Great Kabuki was a, I think, like, you know. He was like, he was like an for... office guy a little bit, yeah. too, with, for Tenru. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Uh, did you want to add anything else, or do you want to go ahead and ta- uh, jump into the top of the Super Juniors? Um, yeah, no, we can just talk about uh, how, you know, and I was talking about that, that ferry ride when everyone... The typhoon. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because business wasn't great, and I think there was some money owed to maybe some, you know, like sometimes questionable people invest in wrestling, whether mm. it be in Japan or Mexico. Like or people anywhere. that have no no you wrestling know, maybe that, backgrounds. No, I'm talking about or, maybe a little bit from you know, the underworld or... Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Okay. Not saying that's exactly what was going on, but I, I suspect it. And, uh, like, there was, you know, money issues. And Jerry Lynn ended up not getting paid for his last show there. Oh, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. I wouldn't leave until I got my money. Like, I was like, no, you're not sending it. Like, you're not fucking... I'm not going home 
I won't get it. Yeah. What did he do? Was it I just kind of like? You never got it. You live and you learn. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So my last my last tour there, I I, I separated my shoulder and I fucked up. Um, and then I just never went back until um, until New Japan. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and t- uh, talk about that. Uh, New Japan Top of the Super Juniors, 1993, from May 26th to June 14th of 1993. And this was obviously prior to it be called the Best of the Super Juniors and before the J-Cub. It was an 11-man tournament, round robin, and then the last four guys did a tournament um, with Pegasus Kid, Chris Benoit, ending up winning that year. Yep. Um, but there is a lot of notable names in this tournament, that's for sure. Some including Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Jushin, uh, Fit Finley, Al Samurai yourself so let's kind of go ahead and talk into how the opportunity came about and all of that from the beginning okay um so at some point around that time road warrior hawk quit wwf and decided to go work in new japan and so it was decided that Hawk and Kensuke Sasaki were going to become a team, and they ended up being called the Hellraisers. Mm. That was a really fucking popular team there, too. Like, it wasn't just, ah, oh, let's throw these guys together, and it was kind of half at. Like, no, they were over like a motherfucker. So, anyways, um, weirdly enough, like, there's this little bar, like, this, it was, you know, three, four hundred people. Max, like cram them in there, like the place that we run, like that bar that you saw that Jerry Lynn and I have that match. Yeah, 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 yeah. That place, that's where the Japanese flew all the way over here, like because Brad Rangans, you know, I was talking about Brad a little bit before. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he was New Japan's guy over there. He trained all the guys, like like Nakanishi guys, like that. Like, anyways, and even Brad uh, Brock. Yeah, anyways, a lot of guys. New Japan would send to, um, you know, Vader went to Brad's. Um, so that for some, I guess that's why they decided to to debut Hawk and and Kensuke at this little bar. Weirdly enough, and uh, so I was the guy that was making the matches at the time, kind of like the Booker of yeah. the shows, and so I Jerry Lynn and I we were the tag team champions of the PWA. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I had, um, and they said, okay, Masa Saido's coming. So him, you know, he won't, he's gonna he'll be on the show. And I'm like, oh fuck yeah! So I booked it, Jerry Lynn and I versus Masa Saido and Brad Rangans. Mm. Oh wow! And so we had a really good match. Yeah. And then after that, Masa brought me to Japan for the top Super Junior. Oh nice. nice. Yeah. Basically, that's I mean. And this you know, was, that's the, the, the short version of that story. And I yeah. know we talked about that in terms of you were already <clears throat> signed with WWE. So and no, did, I no, wasn't no, yet. not yet yet because no. remember you had that break in between yeah. after so, after, okay, I after I got, this you got the phone that's call. What, okay, yeah. So I don't if you can uh, remind me because you had told WWE like, hey, I have this coming yeah. up, and you know they were were they perfectly fine with that? How did yeah, and, and that how, totally okay, totally. And also at the time, I was promoting the sh- the show that I, I talked about recently that we called NWA Grand Slam, mm-hmm. and it was Terry Funk and Hawk in the main event. It was myself and Sabu, uh, Taz versus Brad Rangans. 
Saito and uh, Charlie Norris versus Nails and The Hater. Uh, Chris Candido versus Jerry Lynn. Tommy Ferrara versus Lethal Larry Cameron. Anyways, it was a great show. And so we were promoting that at the same time. Were you treated differently? By? Like by New Japan now that, you know, you had this relationship with WWE? No. 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 Like in comparison, you know, to your first time, you know, with people and how they interact with you and stuff like that. I didn't know because I had never worked with New Japan at that point. Right. No, but I'm saying like in general, though. Like Like it, it was hard to tell. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I just don't know. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And that's how that happened. And, uh, yeah. So. And. They, that was cool. That Vince let, you know, let me go over there and fulfill that commitment. And you were able to work with Eddie Guerrero, one of those one of those guys mm-hmm. that, you know, at this point he was already, you know, killing it. He had already been wrestling, you know, in AAA and CML out. Yeah. What was it like working with him, you know, during this time period? Well, so, um. That was a little bit into the tour. Like, like that was, I don't know, that was a couple of weeks into the tour, actually, when I worked with him. My, my first, and I was so blessed, and I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to, to, to even, like, I've been in the ring with this guy, but my very first uh, match of the tournament was with Fit Finley, and I was, fuck, I couldn't even believe it. Like, just... And when I say I couldn't believe it, it was once I got in there with him, like, mm. to feel how great he was in there. Like, you just don't realize how great someone is. You know, like, you can have a, a perspective on how great someone is from a viewer standpoint, but on top of it, just to, like, holy fuck, man, that guy was on a whole other level mm-hmm. of great. And he made me look amazing, and uh, he put me over. And it was in a place called Omiya. At the uh, Omia Skate Center, I actually oh. have a tweet from you that you tweeted, David Finley. You said, "I was in, the, I was in the next one with your dad, and my first match in New Japan was with your father carrying me to a brilliant match in Omia." Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fucking great. Um, and uh, you know, you know, I talked about so. Uh, Nishimura had a match with it was okay. Um, he was really new still, and I potatoed the fuck out of him, and he wasn't happy. And I understood, like I was, I'm sorry, man. Right. Like, I hit him really hard with the clothesline. Um, um, but the guy that I really had a really good one with, it wasn't like match of the year type thing or anything. But we just went out there and work and had and wrestled back and forth. And even, like, the stuff we did, like, that you would think we would have called in the back was shit that we called on the fly. It was with uh, Shinjiro Otani. It was really good. That match is out there somewhere. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, Eddie was just, it was it was so good. So good. Did we, you learn we really had a good chemistry. Him? I had to do the spinning backbreaker. Right. How to take it better. Oh, nice. Yeah. And now that, I mean, it wasn't like a... Wasn't that type of situation yet? I mean, we just had one match, and so like he he did more than his part in there. Like that part was great. I can't really say oh I learned a lot from him out there or anything, but mm. he just did more than his part out there to make me look guy. You know, did it feel different being in a ring with a guy like him? You know, yeah, for sure. You feel the difference, yeah. obviously. Yeah, there was just a thing that like uh, and. It, 
it was from the first time I ever worked with them there in Japan, like, and even, you know, later on when I worked with them, there was just a, you know what I was talking about with Finley or mm-hmm. just a little bit ago, same type of situation when you actually feel a guy out there when you lock up with him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Time. Yeah, for sure. And what I've always found so fascinating about like round robin tournaments is that, you know, you you have to wrestle everyone at some point, you know, and yeah. so you're you're getting ready for all these different kind of styles and different sort of chemistries. What's it like kind of like going in going like, okay, you know, having to prepare for Pegasus Kid versus having to prepare for someone like El Samurai or something like that? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I just remember going out there and you know, having the matches and Yeah. You know, and hey, the thing you know, at night we go out, and we get drunk, and you know, um, uh, there's a couple of funny stories. Oh, don't start with me, Lou. Lou's over here. Uh, um, yeah, where was I? Uh, going out with the guys after yeah, the shows. Okay, and, so there was a lot of that, and mm-hmm. somebody ribbed the fuck out of me too. They put like sardines or something in my bag, and oh, like, Jesus. And no one still to this day would ever tell me who did it. I was actually going to ask you about that because you tweeted it. Stunk. Everything <laughs> stunk. The rest of the tour. Yeah, everything. My gear, everything fucking stunk. I couldn't get it out. I couldn't oh, get the shit. smell out. Yeah, it was brutal. Oh. Brutal. Now, one of the things that I do have to ask you about, because you tweeted this twice a year apart, was when you said, first one we had was from 2016, where you said, Liger at New Japan, top of the Super Juniors attorney, I shit the bed, nervous. And then again in 2017, when I wrestled Liger in New Japan, I shit the bed twice. So what happened there? I just like, like, you know, there's this, there's this dive that Silver King made famous out of the corner, and you kind of yeah like a vaulting fucking tope, whatever, whatever the fuck. Mm. Uh, so like I went to do that on him, and I slipped, and he's just standing there waiting for me. Oh, and no. He ends up having to like give me the fucking polite applause, like as a rib. Um, just I was nervous as fuck, and a lot of people were like they had their eyes on that match too. The press, right? And I fucking just shit to bed for everyone. And so when I when I teamed with Liger, I actually brought that up, and like he was really cool about it. At the last, <laughs> yeah, okay. at the high spots, yeah, at that wrestling when I, you know, him and me and Hurricane, and I don't know what. So I brought her out there. I brought Lou out there, and then like she didn't even do anything. She, <laughs> she was, I don't know. So she's outside. So if you hear something scratching at the door, that's Lou. <laughs> oh well. All right, where were we? Oh, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and, you know, kind of go back into We were talking about uh, about you basically shitting the bed. Shitting the bed. And you talking uh, with Liger about this at yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. At, uh, well, WrestleMania weekend, excuse me. Because I had it all in my head, all these great things I was going to do at my match with with Liger. And then just fucking... <laughs> what was it, you think? Eh? Just nerves? Nerves. Nerves, nerves got yeah. the best. Yeah. So yeah. when you told him this, you know, at the at the WrestleCon show, what did he say to you exactly? I was just like, oh, it was. Sumi Sakai was doing the the. You know who she is? Uh yeah 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 I've heard the name yeah for sure. She um she's Japanese female wrestler mm-hmm. and she works in ROH sometimes and she was in Bloodsport yeah Josh Barnett's Bloodsport anyways yeah she was there and she was translating and. You know, he was really cool. Just as like, oh no, it was perfect. You know, it was like just very gracious about it. Right. You know, what are you gonna do? You were like trying to make up for it after all these years. And I went out there and 
had another shitty match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was as bad as you felt that yeah. it was. Nah. Um, but, but how did you feel wrestling him, you know, in his prime? Like I said. Aside from the fact. That's it. I was just, you know. That's all. That was. That's my only memory of it. I was fucking it up. <laughs> um, we was at this place called Trial Amenity Hall. It was like this outdoor venue, which I hate working outdoors, anyways. Yeah. And it was like kind of dreary, kind of rainy, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, yeah. I hate wrestling outdoors. Fuck yeah, it's the worst. It. Is it because of the heat or what is well, it exactly? Well, there's all different kind of things. Like, just what, whatever the elements. You're a fucking slave to whatever the... I mean, that's a bad word to use, slave. No, but I get what you mean. You for know sure, what I mean? Yeah. Like, just... Uh, some people are going to be... Oh, that's JW. You can say slave. Yeah, whatever. Fuck. Anyways. Why did I even say that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, just it's uh, you, the the energy, like you know, just goes up into the exactly, yeah, up the, into the sky. The acoustics are terrible. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like the outdoor stadium, like when you get you can't really hear the reactions, and, right? So, yeah, just not a fan. Yeah. Were there any differences in working the lucha style at UWF and then the New Japan Junior style? Oh, big time! What what was those? Yeah, it's just like it's it's a totally different style. Mm. You know, um, I even like I don't know. Were there? I mean, the closest I had to doing that style was with, with Eddie, and he even still was like working more Japanese style. Mm-hmm. When the Mexican guys, when the lucha guys go to Japan. They adjust. They don't do loot like traditional right. luto. Well, and, and even back then, especially because Eddie was playing Black Tiger at the time, right? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, yeah. No. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so much different. Yeah, just. And I actually was more. I was. Um, it was easier for me because I was trained more along those lines. Mm-hmm. We had, I had similar training to like to how they train the New Japan guys. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I remember El Samurai kind of had that had a little bit of a lucha feel to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, man, and I, I had a match. I, I talked about this, but Two Cold Scorpio busted his ankle and like worked the whole fucking tour with a broken ankle. Jesus. Yeah, and I the, my match with him. Yeah, broken ankle and. Um, or leg, anyways, something like that. You know, a break down there, at the right. bottom of the. And especially for leg. someone who works the style that Scorpio yeah. worked, like that seems like it would and be. And so, like, I've talked about this not that long ago, actually. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of comical for for Scorpio to even even be in the junior tournament because he's like two hundred and fifty fucking pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, he does high flying stuff. He's like two fifty. He's not even close to a fucking junior heavyweight. <laughs> and he might look like it from the waist up, but mm. man, his ass and legs is like <laughs> two hundred pounds alone. <laughs> fucking hell. So my last question for you is: When you were in WCW, did you ever want to do another Super Junior tournament? Given the relationship that they had with New Japan. Um. Did that ever cross? So, did you ever want to do another Super Junior tournament when you were in did WCW? I? Given that they had that relationship, did you want to? No, 
No, not never. No. no. Okay. No, because I'd moved on from that style. Okay. I mean, I still did it a little bit with mm-hmm. certain guys if I was working with, you know. Sure. Certain guy, you know, I don't know. I had met like would work with Hoovy or Hector Garza or somebody like that, you know. But I was, I was pretty. I, I was, you know, I fancied myself a heavyweight by then. Right. Right. You know, right. I actually put on, packed on a bit of weight, like trying to, you know, have people look at me as a heavyweight. Yeah. And uh, and that, but. You know, I did go and do this junior tournament while I was working for Vince uh, for for WAR. Was that in? Was it? I think it was oh seven. Was it or no? No, it was in ninety. It was in ninety ninety four. I think. Oh, I was way off. Okay. Yeah, it was. I worked. I I worked with Negro. I beat Negro Casas in the first round, and in the second round, I lost to Gato. Okay. And Jericho was on it. Um, who the fuck else? Jericho. I think he won it actually. Like I had post concussion syndrome at the time, mm-hmm. and like I was fucked up after my match with Gato. Like, like I just remember waking up in the hallway with, with Haku standing over me, and like Jericho's here, different guys, and Haku's like smacking me in the face, trying to keep me awake so right. I didn't pass out. Because Vince almost didn't let me go to that that uh, WAR junior term. I'm jumping around all over the fucking place here mm. because of my concussions. Oh, wow. He was concerned for, for my health. You yeah, know, for sure. Because of concussions in 94. So, right. Yeah. Well, anyways, where else, what else were we... Um, all right, that was pretty much what pretty I had here. That's what I had here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything, something you think the fans should know, the, the cool story you might want to um, share, or anything else that I might have not no. brushed on. No, I just, you know, Hawk came over for the end of that tour because they had a big Budokan show and like him and uh, him and him and Kensuke worked with uh, Jurassic Powers, they were called, I think. It okay. was like fucking Earthquake and it was Earthquake and, oh fuck, I don't remember. Mm. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, and Tony Holm. Uh, who was L- Ludwig Borga? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Uh, but he got along good with Tony. But he was fucking, you know, like there's no way anybody would even employ him, right? Today, right, right, right. With the way you know his ideals and beliefs, but uh, uh, Bobby Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby, came Eaton, over yeah. and he was there as a heavyweight, as a singles guy, mm-hmm. and he had great matches. You know, people don't think of him as a singles guy, but, like, man, he was fine either way. For sure, absolutely. Excellent matches. Um, Let's see. Uh, I think that's it. I had a couple of stories, (laughs) but... Yeah, I'm not going to tell We can get in the zone. (laughs) No. Now you're just going to leave us all with curiosity. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell it once. It was we going out drinking one night, and fucking, um, I think somebody found like a wallet or something, and there was like 300 bucks. Anyway, I think it was. Anyway, somebody paid for the drinks all night. And <laughs> it was a hostess bar, but like some of the hostess uh, I, um, were transgender. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just remember that being the case. Sure. And, anyways, there was some big interaction. With them, we were all fucking drunk and we're laughing, and 
uh, Finley's there, like Dean, uh, Benoit, and we're all drunk as fuck. And like one of the transgender ladies, like fucking falls out, like this falls into this bush, and a fucking a fucking big giant rat comes out and starts running around in a circle around the lady and. Anyways, it, I just somehow I just remember that like fucking sticking out in my head. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! But did she like get out of the bush fast? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was gonna say because yeah. that's kind of dangerous. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> terrible. It was so funny, actually. Uh, <laughs> did anybody think like, hey, let's help her up? There's a rat there. No, no. no I so think sad. she was trying to kick one of us. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Oh, man. Anyways. Um, yeah. All right. I guess that's about it. That's All awesome. Right, it that is. Like, okay. Hey, that didn't mean no. like we're done, done. Boy, Jeff's in a big hurry to get out of here every week. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, do you think that... The the stuff like the Super Juniors at the time with mixing American style, lucha style, Japanese style. Do you think it was kind of ahead of its time as far as because I feel like we're seeing a lot of that today, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I you know it's all kind of mixed together these days. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. if you go to Mexico, like there's not a ton. Of, I mean, there's still the guys. Some some of the guys are still doing it traditional, but a lot of those guys in Mexico are working a hybrid style now. Right. You know, everyone's kind of. Yeah, it's it's kind of like similar to MMA mm-hmm. in the early days of you know it was called no holds barred back then, right? Um, but you know it wasn't. Now everybody trains in everything, right? Exactly. But yeah, the whole the whole draw of UFC was like, what if a karate guy yeah. faced a you know a taekwondo guy or something yeah. like that? You know? Yeah. Yep. The grappler versus the striker. Yeah. The fucking now everyone's a grappler and a striker. Right. Exactly. You know? So yeah, but. It's it's been interesting and, and, and it's been fascinating to see how it's all kind of come together and you know how the styles have meshed and yeah um, yeah so uh, it's it's and I look forward to seeing like seeing it continue to evolve mm-hmm. because it is I, I mean even in the last few years you know I, I see. Things change and, and trends, you know, uh, change of, of like what you know, what's popular to do in there, and like just guys are trying new things all the time, and we're able to see those things because of like fucking, you know, the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we're in a good spot right now for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, wonder what we're gonna do next week. Any ideas? Well, um, I've I mean, been wanting to talk about your time in Mexico, too. Maybe we can talk about that. I know sure. we can brainstorm after the show. Sure. Yeah, okay. or, or, or we talked about how, you know, the, the style that you were working in the WCW Cruiserweight division, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, too. Yeah. Well, That's anyways, true. I hope everyone enjoyed it, you know, at least the ones that... Because these shows, like, when I start talking about something like this, it kind of narrows it down to people that are just interested in that particular subject and that's fine mm. oh shit I just spit everywhere <laughs> and that's fine like sure. you know it might get a few less views or or, or you know or listened mm. but it's it's cool I enjoy talking about these you know these subjects yeah totally Oh, and I do recommend people to listen to the podcast that you did with Fumi because yeah. it was really good. And yeah. it gave, you know, obviously he has all the knowledge. So, you know, it really tied in really nicely together, cool. I think. Yeah. 
And it was cool just because, you know, you get to hear me reminiscing with a dear friend of mine. That's yeah. That's always fun. So, all right, everyone. Cool. See you right here next week. Now we're ready, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Sean Waltman, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, thank you for tuning in to X-Pac 12360.